This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. And welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight Today. I'm your host, Bonnie Quirk from Lake County Right to Life, and my guest is Michael Kenny. Today we are going to talk about the movie Unplanned. Let me introduce Michael. I'll have, I'm the woman, so I can have the word, and then I'll turn the mic over to Michael. Michael is an attorney, educator, author, and producer, but mostly he likes to be called a father and a husband. He's a double domer, and for those of you who don't know what that jargon is, he earned his undergraduate and law degree from Notre Dame. After practicing law for 13 years, he transitioned to higher education. He has taught and served in several capacities in Catholic education for more than 20 years. His love for America's founding principles uh, inspired him to serve as co-executive producer for the new hit movie, Unplanned. Additionally, he assisted uh, or he has uh, just published a new book, which is called In God We Trust, Morally Responsible Investing. And uh, Michael, welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. This is a total delight. I really appreciate you making time for me. Oh, my goodness. Well, Michael, I saw the movie Unplanned. And I think after 40-plus years in the Right to Life movement, it has opened a door that has been closed for many years, and it has strengthened the movement from being hesitant sometimes to proclaim our pro-life position to being proudly pro-life. I've always been proudly pro-life, but I know some of my friends who are very pro-life don't believe with that. So, Michael, tell me, how did this all come about? I uh, have the great fortune of having gone to, um, attended a um, retreat in Hollywood for the last 12 years, which involves a handful of Catholics who are doing really good work, and uh, kind of interestingly, uh, some professional baseball players who are Catholics who are trying in their own way to evangelize within the world of Major League Baseball. So in November, at the end of a long baseball season, uh, this particular retreat came together, and that came about because my wife uh, has known that I have a lot of ideas with regard to great films and um, finally suggested that I ought to pay attention and become serious about it. So I, I've read pretty much every book there is on filmmaking <laughs> over the last dozen years. And uh, as a result of that, a friend from that retreat uh, called me in November 2017 and said, we have the script for the book Unplanned. And I, of course, knew of Abby Johnson's story. Uh, as, uh, as you just said, you've been in the pro-life movement from the beginning. I, I have as well. And I said, gee, you know, this is um, a very powerful story and done properly could do a lot of good. And so that's where it began. I have the privilege of being the person that uh, inspired the first benefactors, investors, uh, to invest in the film which enabled the project to be launched. That is absolutely terrific and I'll bet you were faced with a great deal of spiritual warfare. 
can you explain some of it or tell us some of it? Well, I, I, I you know, um, I take I take my Catholic faith very seriously, and I, I have a, a close friend. That perhaps you know of him. I just heard uh, his voice on uh, one of the leads to uh, El Cresta's program, and that is Father John Ricardo from Plymouth, Michigan, uh, who um, is a tremendous communicator. And about ten years ago. Uh, said to me that in order to really prepare yourself for entering that world in light of the spiritual warfare, as you say um, correctly, Bonnie, I suggest that you integrate into your life um, fasting. And so his recommendation was fasting twice a week and, um, of course, daily Mass and the Rosary Daily and the Divine Mercy Chaplet and um, regular confession. So for the first few years, I was able to fast on Fridays, uh, <laughs> and then the last, I would say, five years or so, Wednesdays and Fridays. So in a sense, you could say, without even knowing it, I was training for this. And um, in, in that sense, I think I've been somewhat proactively preserved from any anything that I'm directly aware of with regard to spiritual warfare, other than, you know, I... I, I uh, I, I can certainly say that there are restless nights where, you know, you, you uh, nightmarish kinds of things that, um, you know, you just have to say, Jesus, I trust in you when those kinds of occurrences happen. Right. Well, I think anybody involved in the pro-life movement has to do that daily, yeah. uh, hourly, actually. Uh, we live in uh, what Pope John Paul II uh, called a culture of death. And we're striving to make it a culture of life. Yes. And I think, um, and I'll, I'll ask you the question directly, uh, do you think that the movie Unplanned will promote a culture of life, not only in the theater right now, but the ripple effect of that movie throughout our our time, our our work, our continuing work in the pro-life movement and in the Catholic movement? That's a wonderful question, Bonnie, and I certainly do. And there is um, the potential through great art, uh, great music, to reach the human soul in a profound way that can be transformative. Um, What Abby Johnson saw changed everything. Uh, That was a visual image connected to the ultrasound and I think that if we had as part of our laws uh, the requirement that for a person to make an informed consent they have to see the ultrasound that that would make a difference now if you add to that the beauty and truth of a great film it can have a, a tremendous impact uh, I could if you w- would like me to read you uh, just a brief excerpt from a group of students from the University of Michigan who went we had a benefactor in Ann Arbor who sponsored them to attend Unplanned. So many beautiful, heroic things have been happening. Um, and go ahead. And this student said, uh, the movie was incredibly impactful. I saw many students crying during and after the movie. Our group decided to be more committed to praying in front of abortion clinics. So we appointed a committee chairman to our new prayer committee, new prayer committee, who will be in charge of organizing this initiative for next year. We'll be doing sidewalk counseling and praying next year consistently. 
I know the students in my group were more committed to the cause after seeing this film and seeing a depiction of abortion. Many were moved by the main actress's acting, and I had many students from Young Americans for Freedom reach out to me and ask to join Students for Life after watching Unplanned. We brought some students from other student organizations, and as a result of this movie, they want to be more involved with our organization. We were able to see the reality of Planned Parenthood and abortion and become more convicted to share this message. These are college students at arguably one of the most liberal universities in the country who are constantly being inundated with the pro-abortion message. Uh, one of my assignments, Bonnie, has been to track the media coverage after the film was released, and we were waiting for, expecting there to be a pushback from Planned Parenthood that would include a, a physician who would contend that what was depicted was not accurate. So it took a few days, but it did ultimately come out in a New York Times piece, and the cited authority, uh, a woman abortionist, said she had not yet seen the film, but what she had heard about the depiction of a 13-week abortion done by suction, I'm sorry, ultrasound suction abortion, which is a method that she uses, would not be accurate based on the description she heard. So as I see this article, uh, as a lawyer, um, my first instinct is to understand who is this person. And I was sitting in my office in Domino's Farms, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and look up this person, uh, a young abortionist doctor located about a mile and a half from where I'm seated in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, we've responded with, uh, we contacted physicians from uh, around the world actually who were willing to contest that unfounded contention. Um, and, and so we'll see where this goes. But um, so uh, 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 there's so much that could be said, but there's no question, I think, that Unplanned as a film, uh, because it told the story straight, it, did, it had uh, so much authenticity, including the person who plays the role of the abortionist, a former abortionist, mm -hmm. um, that it is beyond refute in terms of the accuracy of what's presented, and then it's for the audience to decide what do you support. Well put, Michael, and, and so true. I saw the movie, and uh, I had read, uh, I know Abby Johnson, and uh, I, I've known her for not well, but well, we're acquaintances uh, for years when she was doing uh, the head of the abortion clinic, and then through her conversion experience, which really was Trinitarian, if you want to say. Yeah, I please I tell me more. I believe that her conversion was based on the love of the people in 40 Days for Life who, who were out praying in front of an abortion clinic and, and showed no animosity towards her, just reached out to her as a college student and then as a, as a professional, if you will, in Planned Parenthood. Uh, so it was love, it was what she saw was truth, reality, that unborn babies are human beings and that abortion is murder, and then came to truth with a capital T. And 
through that she had a conversion experience. She really is a double domer. She had a double conversion experience. That's right. Because she not only had the experience of conversion, realizing what she had done was killing, uh, it, she had a, a religious conversion experience to the Catholic Church. That's so true. I, I think it's a kind of a, a Trinitarian movie if you sit back and you, you look at it. Uh, her family didn't like what she was doing, but they, they loved her. Uh, uh, they tried to understand. They supported her. Uh, it, you know, it was just uh, a real look at God's mercy and love. And God is pure love. So we yep. know that that's the way we have to ap approach our enemies. Yes, yeah, it's, it's um, truth in charity. You know, mm -hmm. presenting the truths. John Paul often spoke about our duty is to not to impose, but to continuously propose, continuously propose, and, uh, and to encourage, you know. And your um, description of Abby Johnson is so profound, Bonnie, and I, I think that's um, a beautiful insight. I think it's also a, a, a sort of a cautionary warning signal for all of us. Here is a young person raised in a pro-life Christian home, mm -hmm heads off to a large university, Texas A&M University, mm -hmm. and she is at a college career day and is kind of drawn to a table uh, sponsored by Planned Parenthood, uh, encouraging her to kind of help women. And, and, you know, out of good intentions, she's drawn in. And it, uh, before you know it, she's literally the number one employee in the whole system, given the top award, and sitting next to... Hillary Clinton at the banquet uh, not long before this episode occurred. Yes, I, I think, you know, for us, uh, for the Catholics, uh, everybody listening, and for those pro-lifers, faithfulness, God rewards faithfulness. You know, people will say they come and go in the movement because they don't see a change. But God, you know, it's God's timing for us. It was God's timing for Abby. It was God's timing for the movie Unplanned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think following the movie Gosnell mm -hmm. about the abortionist in Philadelphia, uh, it, that opened some doors. I think it was, a, it was a factual movie, but a softer movie. Yeah. It was a softer movie for a, uh, uh, an audience. Uh, Unplanned is a tough movie to see mm -hmm. uh, because it, it is the actual, you visualize the actual abortion, which is what Abby saw and what probably brought around a conversion experience, although God had been working on her for a very long time like he does for all of us. It's just that sometimes we don't recognize that he's working on us till bang, we we are hit with a big incident in life. And then because of free choice, it's then our choice. And fortunately, Abby chose to be humble enough to uh, seek help. Um, and I think now our country has a choice. You, there, you can no longer be neutral or suggest that I'm personally opposed. Uh, you have to say, this is the truth. Do you support? Do you protect or not? Well said, Michael. 
We're going to take a, a, a little break right now, and we are listening to WSFI 88.5 FM uh, Spotlight today. And I'm your host, Bonnie, and we're talking about the movie Unplanned, and we will be right back. or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MAT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hi, Bonnie Quirk here. I'm the grandmother of 11 kids and the mother of seven. Catholic Radio is absolutely essential to spread the faith. We have to have it, and we have to have it right, and WSFI has it right. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. this episode of WSFI Spotlight today. I'm your host, Bonnie, and I'm from Lake County Right to Life, and my guest is Michael Kenny, and we're talking about the movie Unplanned. And Michael, you talked a little bit about Planned Parenthood, which of course Abby was the director of the largest clinic in Texas, the abortion clinic, and uh, uh, had her conversion by what she saw. I think God had been working in her life for a long time, but uh, the actual visual of what she saw with the ultrasound. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Planned Parenthood. Let's talk a, a little bit about uh, the word choice, and uh, uh, let's let's expose them a little bit like the movie did. Sure. So Planned Parenthood began in 1916 uh, as uh, a, a, a clinic that was um, 
located in Brooklyn, New York. And the person who founded Planned Parenthood is a person named Margaret Sanger. Uh, she was um, arrested for opening that clinic. She knew she was breaking the law, uh, but she was an activist who wanted to advance a certain agenda. Uh, it's a eugenics agenda. It's mm -hmm. a term we don't throw around a lot, but it's, it's a horrific term, which means that uh, there would be certain human beings who would not be deemed worthy of living and therefore ought to be um, reduced or eradicated. And uh, driven by that mindset, as well as um, what I would have to say, just sort of a, a malformed understanding of family life in general, uh, family planning was the term that she came up with, or uh, that you know led to kind of pushing this agenda that um, there are certain populations that ought to be reduced, and also th that um, it would be in uh, in a woman's best interest to uh, have sort of more control over her destiny. And, you know, the tricky thing is, Bonnie, that there's, there's always a grain of truth in all these things, you know, and, and, there's and, and we, you know, of course we want to respect women and we want to um, provide them with uh, you know, a certain amount of freedom to choose and how they, um, you know, kind of... But the, 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 the challenge is that sorting out that truth, uh, uh, the first country in the world to um, legalize abortion was the then brand new uh, Soviet Union, which of course began in 1917, a year after Margaret Sanger opens her clinic. Uh, the Soviet Union begins, and of course Fatima is part of this whole story, uh, the whole reality, and um, the Soviet Union begins on the principle uh, that it is an atheistic state. Uh, it, it is uh, a state that would um, not allow of the recognition of God. And within two years of founding this atheistic state, they were the first country in the world to legalize abortion. So this is in 1920 or so. Uh, and so now Margaret Sanger um, is sort of off and running. She's originally uh, incarcerated for violating the law, and then she flees to Europe, comes back. Uh, and I think it's 1924 where she officially names it Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. And then she spends the next half century advancing her agenda and is a key person behind um, the development of the contraception pill, all kinds of horrendous experiments going on to uh, come up with that formula. And, um, and then uh, she, her organization was um, uh, uh, the sort of the plaintiff in what's called Griswold versus Connecticut, mm -hmm. uh, the case in which the Supreme Court manufactured this expression the uh, right to privacy it, uh, and the and the judge um, is the justice is clear that this is uh, a, an emanation from a penumbra mm -hmm. uh, which are sort of astronomical terms that mean mean that uh, you know it doesn't exist in the Constitution but you could sort of infer it from the radiation coming from other words and uh, and then um, uh, we can talk about those cases if you wish, but Planned Parenthood all the way along is pushing in this direction, and it's not surprising that within 10 years, um, you know, abortion is legal. And um, uh, so uh, th there is nothing um, uh, uh, appropriate about Planned Parenthood. It's a, it's a hu huge organization in terms of its power. Uh, the movie The Godfather talked about h how the... Uh, the leader of the mafia there had politicians in his hip pocket and he would sort of brag about that. 
Planned Parenthood has that in multiples. Uh, and if you think about that a half a billion dollars a year goes to Planned Parenthood, um, that money essentially is a recycling for the Democrat Party. Uh, it, do you know how much money Planned Parenthood gave to Hillary Clinton in 2016 alone for the presidential campaign? Just take a guess, Bonnie, just for purposes of illustration. Oh, probably three quarters of a million dollars. That's a lot of money. That's probably. a lot of money, Bonnie. Three quarters of a million dollars. But you're 60 times too low. Oh 60 million dollars. Sixty million. That's breathtaking. It is breathtaking. Uh, 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 to one candidate. And where does that money come from? Well, of course, their business, but also you get a half a billion dollars a year from the government and uh, the other a lot of money coming from uh, powerful people. So we're in a dangerous spot even sort of talking about this. And we're simply talking about the history and the facts. We're not, you know, I'm not making a judgment other than to say th there's there's some red flags here. Well. They're red flags, and I think, Michael, there are a lot of people who have been deceived. Uh, Abby was deceived. She really thought that she was helping women uh, I in the contraceptive abortion uh, clinic, uh, which is what led her to be a volunteer, which is really what led her to their table, which uh, in her college days when she visited the expo and Planned Parenthood was there and she was uh, uh, drawn to their table and they talked to her about enabling women to be women and how they cared for women and, and uh, she was idealistic, she was beautiful, she was young, she was impressionable and she really wanted to help women. And she, even though she was raised in a Christian home, that draw drew her uh, and clouded her mind. Uh, and I think that's beautifully portrayed in the film Unplanned. And I would recommend to everyone, doesn't matter where you stand on the issue, see the movie, talk about it, and then God has given you a choice, you know. He says, uh, right, you're right, you're wrong, never lukewarm because he'll spit you out of his mouth. So the world can't be uninformed anymore. And, and the movie has opened that door. And of course Planned Parenthood isn't happy about that. And a little bit about Planned Parenthood recently, they have changed their uh, they're kind of like serial killers, really. They they never change their MO. They only change their their facade. So they have a physician now who's head of of Planned Parenthood, and rather than concentrating on services, they're concentrating on abortionist health care, and they're they're framing that issue uh, for the public. I think that the movie Unplanned, and I'll let you answer this, Michael, would answer that question for everybody if they saw it. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I think that um, the film is so beautifully presented, and it's, it's done in a way that is uh, more of an experience in a sense than actually watching something. You're sort of drawn into the story, and you're taken along the path, and you're presented with evidence. and. So the effect of the lie is um, 
a little more difficult to pull off because you're, you're right there in the room and you're seeing and you're using your critical thinking skills and you're able to distinguish between is this healthcare or is something else happening here? What about that human being that's trying to fighting for his life? You know, it, it, what about the healthcare for that? What about the fact that we're doing fetal research? Uh, I mean, not research uh, surgery uh, uh, that such that uh, you know that we're, we're treating a different patient. So. Yeah, I, you're you're right on on the mark when you say uh, that the world has changed as a result of unplanned. We had a meeting about a week before where uh, one of the leaders in the effort to create the film said, you know, as of March 29, the world will change forever because uh, you can no longer be sort of conceptually supportive of abortion without also uh, being directly supportive of the taking of an innocent human being. And once you break that fundamental principle of justice, your whole judicial system is contaminated. Oh, so true. So true. And and I think this is the value. Well, it's the beauty of our faith, isn't it? Yes. Life, love is the beauty of, of the Catholic faith. And of course, uh, you know, life is God's greatest gift to us. And our responsibility is to defend it in the public square. Yeah. And to defend and it virtuously, you know, and I thought the film did a great job of pointing out in the beginning that, you know, the probably well-intended protesters, but were not being virtuous toward all those others where the 40 Days for Life were praying their way through it, which is the ultimate answer. Oh, prayer is the ultimate. Prayer and public witness. That means, you know, uh, you're an apostle. Yes. And we'll translate that uh, word right out. Uh, you can't stay in your home anymore. No. You have to get. And, you know, the pro-life, the beauty of the pro-life movement is not only uh, uh, crisis uh, centers which help young women who choose life rather than abortion, it isn't just uh, praying in front of a, an abortion clinic. It's a whole ball of wax. It's the educational uh, aspect, which the movie certainly did a great deal of educating. It's the legislative, working with legislators to, if Planned Parenthood can buy them, the pro-life movement ought to win them over in truth uh, alone. Uh, but they can't be alone. And if we had good legislation, mo a moral compass for this country to go down, we wouldn't ha be having, because I, I don't know how you feel about this, Michael, but I've always said, if we can ever change the culture to a culture of life, all the other issues, taxes and schools and everything will fall into place. This is the primary goal, the primary duty of every Catholic to defend life. And I say in the public square. This is the authentic Green Deal, new Green Deal, because yes. <laughs> green is the color of hope and life. And uh, if you're, yes, you're right, absolutely. And the converse is true. If you're, you're not supporting unborn life, you're, you cannot possibly be uh, advocating and advancing healthy public policy. Well, you know, we had a good, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, you're not from uh, this geographical area, but we just had a horrific uh, little boy, five, who uh, was uh, killed by his parents. 
uh, discovered the body was discovered yesterday. Uh, the, the family has had all kinds of problems. There were red flags going off uh, everywhere. Uh, DCFS had been to the home multiple times, and so had the police. But the child remained in the home, and subsequently the, the dad was an attorney that had lost his license. The mom is seven months pregnant. Uh, there were drugs involved. I'm sure he was an ex I think he's a present drug user, but, uh, and everybody is uh, just shocked uh, that parents could do this. And I say, we have had 47 years of parents doing this. Where is the public outcry? You know, not that we shouldn't pray for little AJ, yes, and pray for his, his family, yes. But why, why do you think that the culture is shocked because they can see him and they cannot see an unborn baby. Yes, that's true. And, and uh, St. Mother Teresa said something similar to what you so well said, Bonnie. And, um, you know, we, I if a child is not safe in what should be the safest place in the world for that child, then the ability to have peace anywhere is in jeopardy. So true, so true. And we see this over and over and over again. Legislation is supposed to protect the most innocent. Correct. That is the purpose of public policy. Right. And our public policy in this country, including some of our judicial policies, have gone astray. Do you think, Michael, that the movie Unplanned will change some of that culture within legislative bodies and I'll even say within, you know, our priests hear confession over and over again. They have to hear some of this. I wonder if, if they have seen the movie. It would help them a great deal. Yes, yes. Well, to your first question, um, I received a uh, text message yesterday from a person in Michigan who uh, showed me that there is a sitting congressman in the state of Michigan that is um, using unplanned as a way of saying, I have tried to be in support of pro-life public policy. I have seen the movie Unplanned, uh, and I'm even more motivated to approach this way. Please support me. So uh, that's evidence of direct impact of Unplanned on uh, a legislator. And, hope and there was a beautiful uh, statement from the House floor by Congressman Chris Smith from New Jersey uh, we screened uh, Unplanned four days before it opened in the theaters for any congressman, member of the cabinet, or the Senate, just an exclusive screening for them to see. And uh, I don't know what the actual count is and who all came, but Chris Smith did. And the next day on the House of the Floor, he gave an incredible speech that's, I believe, available on YouTube now. So absolutely what you said, that it will have that impact, and hopefully it can have a similar impact for all of us w in whatever walk of life we are. I, I think that's very true. I got a call from an Illinois legislator, and he's been a solid pro-life vote for us, but he said he went to the movie Unplanned, and he took his wife, and he said, oh my gosh, I never really, he said that visual open my eyes open my eyes so you know god works in mysterious ways on a on a on a purely secular front 
everybody should be pro-life. I mean, why would you worry? Why would you be? Why would you not be? But on a deeper spiritual level, sometimes you need that visual over and over again to really see the depth of how low our culture has sunk. Yeah, particularly when you're being intimidated and bullied by this uh, opposition that is such a slick marketing uh, um, operation, very well funded, and uh, is sort of poisoned reality by suggesting that somehow uh, certain lies are true. Uh, The idea that somehow the unborn human being is not a human being, uh, somehow it's it's the mother's body when you know th- none of these things are true these are just medically scientifically factually untrue and yet that myth has been pushed for so long uh, as technology has demonstrated that those facts exist there's been sort of a new effort to kind of go in a direction of liberty interest or environmental interests or uh, and that just cannot withstand scrutiny I, I have to believe that just as we have overcome uh, horrible things such as segregation or slavery uh, through the natural law principles that undergird our country, we will overcome um, abortion in that same way. We will have the, the Lincolns, the Kings that can articulate those points and I believe will resonate with the American people. Um, uh, th- th- there, is a, there is a real concern I have if you wish to uh, uh, discuss this aspect of when Roe is overturned. It will be overturned just as Dred Scott was uh, because it's so fundamentally flawed. Um, I, I'd, I'd be happy to comment on what, what that legal concern is. I, I just want to be conscious of, of the times and the breaks. So. Oh, yes. I think, I, I, I think we can very easily get into that right now. Yes. And I think that uh, with the addition of uh, several justices and perhaps very shortly another justice, Roe will go. And then it will go back to the states. Well, this is the point I wanted to speak on, Bonnie, and this is part of uh, the deception that has been pushed upon our country is this sort of conventional wisdom that it needs to go back to the states. And I I should say that um, I'm saying I have to believe that Roe will be overturned, just as I hope that if I were living in the 1850s that I have to believe that Dred Scott would be overturned. Will it be overturned? I I don't, as a lawyer, I'm not sort of, you know, predicting this, other than I have to believe that in faith. Now, having said that, I'm very concerned as a lawyer, as a constitutional law professor, about this notion that it has to return to the states. That is, a, a, that is, that is not what has to happen. Anyone can go to the library and listen to the oral argument uh, in Roe versus Wade. And when you do that, you will hear a justice had asked Sarah Weddington at that time, the attorney for the abortion position, the youngest person ever to argue before the Supreme Court, uh, just a few years out of law school. And he said, if we apply the 14th Amendment to the unborn human being, well, they didn't say human being, but unborn, uh, that you really have no case. That that was, uh, this is almost an exact quote. You really have no case. Because why? Because the 14th Amendment was enacted after we abolished slavery with mm-hmm. the 13th Amendment. It was enacted to ensure that never again would we ever treat human beings differently, that, we, that every human being would have equal protection and due process. And Sarah Weddington's response in that oral argument is very telling. She has sort of this young, professional, nervous laughter and says, well, yes, I, you, I, I would have a very difficult case, you know. And that's it. These Supreme Court justices need to have the courage to say, state the truth and to say, 
The 14th Amendment absolutely provides protection for this human being. You'll hear all kinds of arguments, well, that wasn't part of what they were thinking in 18... Uh, it's, it was 150 years ago last year, was the, uh, uh, so uh, in, in 1868 when they enacted. That's not the issue, and that this is not being... I, I'm an originalist, I believe in that. Th this is not exaggerating the terms of that amendment. It's applying it to the reality at that time. We didn't have ultrasound. We, we, you know, you, you, they weren't able to even think through how to apply the 14th Amendment. But now, I, just as we, they weren't able to think through how to apply certain laws to the internet or to cars or whatever else comes down in the future, um, but that doesn't mean the 14th Amendment doesn't apply. It certainly does, and it was asked in 1973, and they all agreed there'd be no case. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you on the Supreme Court, Michael, <laughs> oh, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned long ago that, you know, in terms of law, it's straightforward for everything but the abortion debate. Correct. And yeah. within that, within the d abortion debate and, and the legal legalities, the undue burden of Casey, et cetera, yes, yes. Uh, all the rules change. Yes, and that, that's and really sort of, a, uh, I think, a red flag that shows you that uh, once you deter from a fundamental uh, principle of justice, uh, everything else falls apart. Well, you're, you're so true. Yeah. So true. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about uh, the Dred Scott decision. It wa it mirrored Roe. Roe mirrored it, I should say. It was a 7-2-2 decision for Dred Scott, uh, and it was a 7-2-2 decision in 1973, which legalized abortion on demand for all nine months all of nine pregnancy. Months. That is a fact that has been hidden from the American public for years. Everyone, or uh, many people, not everyone, and my mother always used to correct me, never say everyone, many people believe that abortion was legal only in the first trimester. Yes. Now, Illinois has a 24-week ban. However, due to the Dovey Bolton decision, Correct. which allowed abortion for a toenail if you wanted yeah. it, for any reason at any time or no reason, uh, we have abortion on demand. Yes. Uh, we can regulate a little bit where that abortion will take place, but really not. People are shocked when you say that. Governor Cuomo just signed a law in New York. There's no difference from Illinois. We have a 24-week ban, but we have Dovey Bolton, That's right. which opened it up. That's right. We have an, uh, a, a uh, which is the moment of birth, actually. Yes, it is. Uh, well, actually, uh, if you think of, um, if you think of partial birth abortion, the child is half delivered. Uh, right. You know, uh, when that procedure occurs. So, so no, uh, I I think that it has to be part of the sort of the deception around this whole issue. Uh, the Supreme Court decision, in 1973, set up this tripartite three semester system and I think it created this sense in the public that oh that seems to be a judicious approach that seems reasonable we're balancing interests of the mother and the uh, the unborn child and that uh, but I have to say that that's more of a deception than anything else because uh, the accompanying case Doe versus Bolton as you rightly point out indicated that uh, all of that is um, you know over uh, actually uh, becomes moot in the sense that if if the mother is even feeling some sense of anxiety that can be qualify as a health exception all the way to the moment of birth from that point forward. So when the governor of North Carolina 
uh, as a as a, a, a physician is is uh, r- you know comfortably s- talking about abandoning a child who was born. I'm sorry, Virginia. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Virginia. Uh, sorry about the, the governor of North Carolina, <laughs> uh, Virginia. You know he's uh, sort of comfortable talking about that because in his medical training and the the way the law has been by those who are sort of aware of what the law is, it does seem normal. It's kind of this strange normal. And that's why I believe in part he was so surprised by the reaction because he wasn't aware that most people didn't know that it was okay. Um, Most people don't know that Barack Obama as a state representative three different times uh, before he was elected chose not to provide medical care for a child who survived abortion. How is that possible or how is that different from the Virginia case? And it's, it's a healthy sign that there's this public outcry today, but, uh, you know, it's a shame that that didn't happen, you know, 15 years ago. Well, we were, let's, let's go back in history and talk. You know, there's a spiritual track on which we run, and then there's the historical track. And the Dred Scott decision in the spiritual realm we are still paying the price for. Absolutely. We are paying the price in terms of the discrimination, uh, the calling a person a non-person and property. Uh, and the roots of that, of course, we know are from the devil. Sure. Uh, but we, we, you know, we've come a long way in history, but we're still paying a terrible spiritual price. Now, we come in 1973, uh, to the Roe v. Wade, Do- and I always say Roe v. Wade, Doe v. Bolton, because they were companion decisions, yes. and to ignore one is not to understand the whole complexity of what we did. Correct. Uh, it, so that was a 7-2 to two decision also, and I believe we are paying terrible spiritual prices on that decision. Absolutely. Uh, and one of the, uh, you know, one of the uh, abolitionists, I, I think I would have been an abolitionist in those times, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote a very interesting, and uh, I, I don't know whether Uncle Tom's Cabin is out of print or if people can get it, but they they should read it in light of seeing the movie Unplanned. Well said. They should see read the book. Or see the movie and then read the book. I'm sure you can get the book through an interlibrary loan or whatever. But Evangeline crossing the river, being chased in Uncle Tom's cabin, so mirrors the movie and what Abby uh, experienced within the abortion clinic before her conversion. She was beginning to see... Not fully yet, but she was beginning to see it was money-making, that women were being injured in the abortion, that families weren't being told about those injuries that had to be covered up, and uh, uh, just that whole historical setup is so similar to what Dred Scott brought to this country, which resulted in a civil war. Wouldn't it be wonderful if um, at least all of the Catholic, let's say, high schools had as part of their curriculum a course that included this comparison you're speaking about, the reading of Uncle Tom's Cabin, 
in studying the Civil War, studying the underlying principles, studying the case, Dred Scott, and also, you know, culminating studying Roe versus Wade and, and culminating with seeing the movie Unplanned, uh, that would be, that would equip our, our young people with the critical thinking skills that would serve them well. Well, I, I, I think you're right on. I would say one of our culture of death issues is the inability to teach critical thinking in schools today. And so that is a really demonic way to get into education because if, when I went to school, we had to study both sides. And then in light of our faith, which was well taught, you were able to make your decision and defend it. Yes, yes. I find in today's culture, especially with, with uh, grandkids, that it's more emotion. Yes. That yeah. decisions being made are more on emotion. Mm -hmm. And yes, a lot of young people are pro-life. It's the nice thing to be. They understand it's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They understand it's a baby. Um, where we've lost them probably is on marriage, but you know, that'll come back. But those critical skills the ability to have the foundation of your your faith. And going back to Dred Scott, we had a very faithful uh, uh, culture. Yes. Civil War was really those, either side were deeply religious people. Very true. Uh, yeah. But they were led astray. Yes. yes. They were led astray by, by prejudice and lies and yes. et cetera. Yes. So how do you think unplanned? Uh, if we talk about going to the high schools, I think it should go into seventh and eighth grade. Yes. Um, I, I w in my personal opinion, I think seventh and eighth grade is a little too young um, to teach that. Um, I would prefer it like freshman year of high school. That would have been great. Um, and then going into like Roe versus Wade, I still have no clue what it is. Like I know it's about abortion. It's a case about abortion, but no one has ever really definitively told me in school. Um, by the way, I'm David Bending. I'm a junior at Carmel Catholic High School. Just wanted to let you all know that. So, yeah, just chiming in. Oh, well, we're delighted you're chiming in because you're the future not only of the church but the culture. You're the future uh, of the culture and the church. And uh, Well, uh, I would like to respond to David just briefly with regard to Roe versus Wade that I think the key principle to understand uh, is and, and uh and it's very important for us as educators to realize that we're not teaching this well, and um, or at all, it sounds. Um, yeah. And, and, and that is that there's a footnote in Roe versus Wade mm -hmm. in which the court says, we do not know when life begins. When there's not consensus at this time in 1973 about when life begins. That's the first lie. Yeah. There's um, documented evidence about, uh, in including a... Um, a, a medical journal of about four years before that which said you know we can't we who are advocating abortion can't let the public know that we know when life begins I mean, and and yeah. and so that was certainly available to them but nonetheless the footnote contends that that's the case and that therefore because we don't know when life begins we're going to create this kind of tripartite system every three months kind of weighing the development of the child versus the mother's interest uh, that is a false premise that leads to uh, very um, uh, a terrible outcome. 
and, uh, and and that's part of the critical thinking. I think that Bo Bonnie's speaking of mm -hmm. that. Uh, if uh, <laughs> you know, we're all sort of taught to trust uh, certain authority figures. You would yeah. hope that you can trust, uh, but um, that's not the case in this situation. Mm -hmm. In God we trust. In God we trust is in our God national motto. Yep. Yes. yes. Yeah. For uh, sure. You know, I it brings back a, a thought I had that uh, early on in the abortion. Um, battle, uh, if you will, uh, the California Medical Society uh, in 1973 said for the American public to accept abortion, they would have to separate the idea of abortion from killing. They had to do that for the American public to buy in. And so came choice because Americans love apple pie and, and choice. And so the baby was on the outside the woman became the prime and it was her choice and you know we if you take that to its logical end the choice to do what but of course our culture didn't so what do you think about that well i'm i'm familiar with that um that journal article you're speaking about and, and i'm sure that it's in that article that uses the phrase uh we have to use uh semantic gymnastics yes to we have to have to semantic gymnastics, gymnastics to to sort of uh, confuse the public well enough you also use the expression in god we trust which is our motto but i if i could put a little pitch in for this uh book that Absolutely. I wrote, not, not for my behalf, uh, I was a co-author with George Swartz, a, a true American hero, who 20 years ago was approached uh, and asked, is it possible to create a mutual fund where we can have the total peace of mind that none of that uh, growing fund would support pornography or Planned Parenthood or companies that give to Planned Parenthood or abortion? Because I just want to have the peace of mind, and it's too complicated for me to figure out this is what people are asking him. He said, I don't know if that's possible. But his wife said, you know, you should work on that, George. And so <laughs> uh, he did. He came up with the screens to screen these things out. And now, almost 20 years later, there are investors from every state in our country, over $2 billion under management. One of the five funds is rated number one in its category. All kinds of miraculous rewards for doing the right thing. So as we think about what we can do, Certainly, as Catholics, we can say, uh, you know, ask our employers for our retirement fund to include uh, looking at the Ave Maria Mutual Funds as an option to help um, influence what companies do. I would add, uh, I haven't read the book yet, but I, I know about it. I have it. Uh, I would say, add to that, uh, strengthen your faith. It's Divine Mercy Weekend. Yes. Uh, Abby had Divine Mercy. That's what saved sure. her. Uh, it, she she received the divine mercy over a period. Of God was God never gives up on people. He follows us down the pathways and highways of our life, and uh, he he chases us. But this weekend, his mercy is wide open. Seek it, find it. You will be rewarded a hundred percent. And then go see the movie Unplanned because it has changed our culture. Well, that's all the time we have left today. Thank you for listening to WSFI Spotlight. I'm Bonnie, and thank you very, uh, very much. And please visit. So, so I'm speaking this evening at at uh, a center in. Um, 
in uh, 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 called the Gorton Center at 7 o'clock tonight. Those of you who are able to attend, we would welcome to have you there to hear this talk. Thank you very much, Bonnie. A wonderful program. Well, thank you, Michael, uh, and thank you for the movie. My pleasure. This has been WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.